if you're glad to be here tonight, say amen. 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 I'm going to ask Brother Brandon Barrett if he will to open us in prayer tonight. may be seated, page 191. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people come and die. With his manna he doth feed and supplies her every need. Folks and sweets up with Jesus all the time. Come and die, master, call it, come and die. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry, call it, come and die. The disciples came to land, thus obeyed Christ's command. Oh, the master called unto them, come and die. There they found their heart's desire, bread and fish and on the fire. Thus he satisfies the hunger every time. Come and die, the master called if come and die. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry come, come and die. Soon the Lamb will take his pride to be ever at his side. All the hosts of heaven will assemble big. Hold to be a glorious sight. All the saints and spotless white. And with Jesus they will feast eternally. Come and die, the master call it, come and die. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry call it now, come and die. We'll do one more, page 16. <coughs> Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blur. The angels left the king from heaven's open door, and I can't believe home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels left the king from heaven's open door. And I can't believe home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's the thing I know. The Savior part of me, and I open go. I 
fellowship and bring your missionary offering at this time. seated tonight. Good to see all of you. We appreciate you being here. Uh, as far as announcements go, our big announcements right now is to remember we got Vacation Bible School coming up next week, beginning Monday night. We'll be, we'll be in here wrecking this place with the kids. Amen. So uh, remember to pray for that and, and, uh, and get ready for it. And then the very last Sunday of this month is our homecoming service, so remember that to be praying for that. Um, as far as our prayer requests go, we've got a lot already on the prayer list that we need to continue praying for, but we need to remember Sister Peggy Jackson. They put her in the hospital, and uh, we need to pray for her. Ricky Meeks to continue praying for him, Brother Leo Gertz, Jamie and Kim Rollison, Jan Osborne, Carolyn Watkins, Lynn Bagley, and our Vacation Bible School coming up. How about your prayer request tonight? Anybody got anyone they need to pray for? Okay. Uh huh. Anything else? Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. 
anyone else tonight that we need to pray for? Brother? Pray for her. Thank you, Brother Clay. She's doing good. She went back to work today. Anybody else tonight? Let me ask you this. How many of you in here tonight has got somebody in your family that you know of that really needs God in their lives and needs prayer tonight? I think we all... We all touched in that way somehow. So let's all come to these altars tonight. Let's pray together and ask in God's touch and his, his moving in the lives and hearts of people. Right. Good to see y'all tonight. Appreciate you all of you turning out for Wednesday night Bible study. Um, let's be taking our Bibles and turn to First John chapter number two, the first epistle of John chapter two, and then get uh, with the other hand get First Timothy chapter number six. First John two. Thank you, brother Chris. 
Well, I don't even have none. I had it on. I don't know what it did to me. Oh, my. First John chapter number two tonight, and then First Timothy chapter six. First John two, and then First Timothy chapter number six. We've been studying this thought of eternal life and looking at it from the scriptures. And uh, I'm going to make a few opening comments tonight. Then we're going to look at something a little bit in furtherance of this thought. But I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter 2, one verse of scripture out of that passage. And then we'll go right on into 1 Timothy chapter number 6. But look at 1 John chapter 2, verse number 25. It says, and this is the promise that he hath promised us even, everybody say the next two words, eternal life. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even Say it, eternal life. It's a promise of God, eternal life. And we know that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he spoken, shall it not make it good? Or hath he said it, shall it not bring it to pass? God will not lie to us about what he has promised us. Now look in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, with this thought in mind of eternal life, I want you to look at this with me tonight as we read through this passage. There's a little phrase connected with eternal life that, that Paul's going to use two times in our passage. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to bring out some things about that. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 12. The Word of God reads like this. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Look at that phrase. Lay hold. On eternal life, whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ." which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may, look at this again, lay hold on eternal life. Twice in this passage of, of 1 Timothy 6, Paul uses this phrase and expression in, in regard to eternal life. He says, listen, this is something you need to do. You need to lay hold on eternal life. And again, 
lay hold on eternal life. That little phrase, lay hold, it means to seize. It means to occupy the mind with. It means to, to grab it and not let go. And Paul says that eternal life is something that we need to seize, that we need to occupy our mind with, that we need to understand and lay hold of it in our lives. I was uh, talking with a man today at a, at a business that I walked into and uh, got to talking to him about the Lord. And he he's, says he's saved and I believe him to be saved. And uh, we got to talking about some things, just various things about the Lord and His goodness. And how God is just so good to us. Can I get a witness right there? He's good. He's good. God is good. You always got something to talk about uh, in relation to God. No matter what the situation, because our God is a good God. Well, we kept on talking, and I, I, I just mentioned this. I didn't say nothing about me preaching through it or anything like that. This is the reason for my comment. He said, I said, you know, I said, I've been saved since 1982. And I said, I'm trying, still trying to learn about Jesus Christ. He quickly responded to me. And he said, well... That's something you'll never be able to do is understand Jesus Christ fully. I said, I agree with that. I said, how can our finite minds even, even comprehend the thought of Jesus Christ? Him being God and all that He is and our all in all, the potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then I said this. I said, that's why He gives us eternal life is so that we, it'll take that long to understand Him. Eternity. How can you understand an eternal God without spending eternity with Him? And uh, then he said this. He came back real quick. He said, eternal life. I'll agree with that up to a point. He said, but then I believe that if you mess up long enough and big enough, God will spew you out of His mouth. He used a few verses of Scripture to put all that theology together. But he said this, he said, I'll agree with eternal life up to a certain point. That's why Paul tells us to lay hold on this thing. To grab it, to seize it, to understand it, to grab it and not let it go. Because there's a lot of our thoughts about this subject. There's a lot of human thoughts and reasonings about this and some additions and subtractions from the Word of God to fulfill their, their philosophy about it. But Paul said that eternal life was something that we needed to lay hold of. Let it get a hold of us. Let it grab us. Let it seize us. Let it you know, so get us that it will not let us go. Realizing what we have in Jesus Christ is one of the most amazing things that I've ever studied from the Word of God. And we'll get into a little bit of that as we go on tonight. Thus far in our study of eternal life, we've looked at a lot of different avenues of this thought. We've looked at the complaints of this teaching. 
Remember the son that would claim that anybody that would teach eternal life is giving somebody a license to sin. That's not what grace does. Grace does not teach us to sin. It teaches us to live right. And it teaches us to live for Jesus. Then we looked secondly at the consequences of sin. We looked at some of the things that will happen if a child of God does sin. But losing eternal life was not among those consequences. Then we looked at the concept of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? How does a person get saved? We looked at all of those different avenues of this thought of eternal life. Then tonight, what we want to do is we want to just use some common sense reasoning about this thought concerning eternal life. He tells us to lay hold of it. So that means we should meditate on it. We should consider it. We should should go over it and over it and over it in our minds and really look at the aspect of eternal life. Well, we've already been over this, but I just want to hit this in this introduction tonight on how is a person saved. We've already established this truth in this study. A person is saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and all that He's done for you and for me. That's how we're saved. We believe the gospel about Jesus Christ. How that He died for our sins. How that He was buried. And that how He rose again the third day and He is alive. When we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we're calling upon a living God. Not a dead God. Not one still in the grave. Not some entombed individual. But we're calling upon the one who rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. And He's alive to this very day. That's how we get saved, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's consider just for a little while tonight. I say a little while, it might stretch into something lengthy. But what are some of the results of salvation? What things do we benefit of by being saved? Well, somebody would holler out, I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah for that. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. That's why that's one thought that just plagued my mind and what God used in my life to get me to the cross was the thought of me going to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. Still don't want to go to hell and thank God to know that I'm not going tonight. That is a big plus, would you agree with me, of being saved tonight. Then another, somebody might say, well, hey, we're going to heaven. That's another big plus. Can I get a witness right there? Hey, one place we do deserve to go, hell, and one place we don't deserve to go is heaven, and we're, get, we're, we're in on both counts on that one. Then I remember when I first got saved, I was just, like I say, I, was just, I was, uh, didn't want to go to hell, and when I found out that I would never go to hell, Never perish, as John 3.16 says. I I shouted for a while about that. Then I remember the the church that I was saved in, the choir was up singing. And they got singing about heaven and going to heaven. And it dawned on me, not only am I not going to hell, 
But I'm not, I am going to heaven. And I started shouting about that. Well, another thing that God dealt with my heart about uh, leading me up to salvation was the tribulation and all that. And I was fearful of going into the tribulation. I got to think, well, I will take the mark of the beast because I got a family. I will provide for my family. And then I found out the church ain't going through the tribulation. I started shouting about that. And you, you get to learning what salvation, the benefits of salvation, you'll, get to, you'll just develop an attitude of shouting. Because, I mean, many are the benefits of us being saved. Can I mention this? The forgiveness of our sins. Think about all that we've done in this one room. In this one room, all the sins that we have committed, not just individually, but corporately. I mean, can you imagine what to know what Jesus Christ knows about all of us? And every one of us have been forgiven completely by the Lord Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins is a wonderful benefit of being saved. <laughs> My watch is talking to me. The forgiveness of sins. The book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 through 14 says it like this. It said giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the, of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Think about that. God has forgiven you of all your sins and will always forgive His children when they ask Him to. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Well, what about this? Another benefit of being saved is a change in life. The old things that I used to enjoy, I don't enjoy anymore. And the things that I used to abhor, I do love now. I used, to, I used to enjoy partying and doing things with the buddies. I don't do that anymore. Since 1982, that's, that's, a, that's a thing, an old thing in my life that God graciously took out of my heart and put things of God in my heart. I love going to church. I love the Word of God. Love to pray. Love meeting with the brethren. I mean, that change in life is a great benefit to the children of God. The Bible says it like this. Therefore if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold all things are become new. And thank God for the new things. That he puts in our hearts. Did you know. If it weren't for Christ in us. There's no telling what. Or where we'd be tonight. And thank God for him making life. New to every one of us. Amen and amen. Let me tell you another benefit. Another benefit is God working in your life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are His, speaking of us who've been saved by grace, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works for God had foreordained that we should walk in them. I mean... God working in us and on us and through us. Thank God for the work of God in our lives. The Bible tells us, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he 
which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will always be working in your life. Thank God for that. Another benefit is the rain from heaven. Amen. <laughs> Another benefit of being saved by the good grace of God is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. I don't understand it, but I sure do love knowing it, about it by faith that the day I got saved, Christ moved on the inside of my life. And He's in there forever. Thank God for that. Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and, and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of His grace um, uh, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've always said it like this, that if Christ if Christ were to step out of me right now, Brother Warren stepped out of my life. He came into my life November 21st, 1982. And I've been a different man ever since. But if Christ were to step out of my life right now, I'd go right back to being what I was before I got saved. Thank God. Thank God for Christ being in us tonight. Can I get a witness right there? Let me give you this one tonight, another benefit of being saved tonight. What about being a member of His body? I mean, we are literally members of the body of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, for as the body, speaking of the physical body, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. For the body is not one member, but many. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased Him. We're a part of the body of Jesus Christ. You're speaking of another mystery that I don't understand tonight, but I sure do love knowing it, that I am actually a part, a member of the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head. We are the members of His body, the church. And thank God, He's put you in Himself. Amen. Now let me... Let's consider some things tonight. We're using some common sense reasoning about this thought of eternal life. I want you to consider with me tonight that if you're saved, how many of you are saved in here tonight? Say amen. amen. Say it loud. I can't hear you over the rain. All right. So you're saved tonight. Now consider with me that that means that you are a member of the body of Jesus Christ. This is not some fairy tale. This is not just uh, some, some allegory. This is not some parable. This is literally, you are a part of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you something. Let's say, let's take a hypothetical. We're using common sense about this tonight. Let's say that 
So let's use Brother Warren for an example tonight. Let's use him for our hypothetical illustration. Brother Warren, you're saved. You know that you're saved. You've got eternal life. You live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Warren's one of my heroes. And to see him faithfully in church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, that's one of my heroes sitting there. But let's say Brother Warren gets old. I know we don't like to think about that, Brother Warren. I don't know why God led me to use you for this illustration. <laughs> but let's say Brother Warren gets old. Let's say he gets into his 70s or 80s. I'd love a picture of that up on the big screen. Brother Warren, 80 years old. Amen. Let's say Brother Warren gets 70, 80 years old. Let's, let's go on and we're considering some things tonight. Let's say Brother Warren... All his life, he's lived for the Lord. He's lived faithfully for the Lord. He's, he's done everything that God's asked him to do. But there comes a time in his elder life that something starts happening, and it does happen. It does happen. And maybe dementia or maybe Alzheimer's, some old age disease sets in on Brother Warren. And he winds up maybe living in a home. And you go by and see Brother Warren. He meant something to you all your life. And you went by to see Brother Warren. And you, you bring up the, the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, who? And it's that disease. Who are you talking about? And, he, and you keep on talking to him. And he says, oh, I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that. That does happen. That does happen in life. What happens when a person starts not believing in Jesus Christ? I'm so glad that the Bible's got an answer for us tonight. I want you to look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And I'm going to explain some things as we read these verses. And then hopefully that you'll see. Clearly what, what the scriptures bear out for us. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Look in verse number 10. Paul writing. He says, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. Paul went through a lot just to be a, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He suffered a lot. And he said, I endure all these things for the elect's sake. Talking about the saved people. That they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He said, that's, what, that's why I'm working so hard. is so that they might really enjoy being saved and enjoy it to the fullness of their life. Now watch verse 11. He said, it is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Then he goes on, if we suffer... We shall also reign with Him. Look at the ending of that verse. If we deny Him, deny Him what? Some people say, well, this is denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that the Bible says, if we deny Jesus before men, He'll deny us before the angels of God in heaven. But what is the verse talking about? Keep it in context. Keep it in the verse. If we suffer we shall also reign with him, colon. If we deny him, we don't suffer for him. 
We will not suffer for him. He will deny us. Then look what verse number 13 says. If we believe not. Look at it. Yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny who? Himself. There's Brother Warren laying in a bed. He's, that old age disease has worked on his mind. It's worked on him. And, and Brother Warren, to talk to him, you would never know that Brother Warren ever believed in the Lord if you didn't know him before. But at one point he did, and now later in life has come down to this in and, and Brother Warren's life. And I'm glad, I'm glad that the Lord will abide faithful to us. Uh, why? You are a part, Brother Warren, of Jesus Christ's body. If he were to deny you salvation, he would be denying himself. He would be denying that he, he has even got a body if he were to deny Warren Vickers. Aren't you thankful tonight that he put you in his body? You actually became a part of Jesus Christ forever. Thank God for that. He's eternal. We're, we're not, but He is. And He put us in an eternal body that He will never deny. And we could go on and on. We could go on and on and on and on about all the benefits of being saved. Of knowing Jesus Christ. All the benefits of that one moment of time where you realized you were a sinner before God. And somewhere in your life, whether it be at church or at home, whether it be on the riverbank or wherever it might be, Brother Titus, somewhere, somewhere, one moment of time we realized we needed to be saved and we fell on our knees and asked Jesus Christ to save us. <laughs> and then it all began. All of these benefits of salvation began on our behalf. But let me, let me go into the greatest of all, of all things to me is eternal life. Eternal life is not just something that is given us. It is a quality of life. One passage of scripture says this is eternal life even to know Him. Eternal life gives us the opportunity to get to know Jesus Christ. And thank God, eternal life is something that He freely gives us as a gift of God. Now, I want us to think tonight, I want us to think, we're using some common sense about this. There are only four possibilities to this matter called salvation. Only four possibilities. And let's go through them tonight and just think about them just for a moment. The first one, the first one. Well, let me, let me preface it by saying this. We know how a person is saved. And we know how a person is kept saved. We're kept by the power of God. Not by good works, not by anything like that. For a person to get saved, and stay saved all the way through to the end of their life. There's only four possibilities for that scenario. The first one is this. 
all believers must live a perfectly sinless life for the rest of your saved life. From the day you got saved, you repented of your sins, whatever they were that God was dealing with you about, and you got saved, from that moment forward, you must live a perfectly sinless life for the rest of your, your mortal life down here. Well, we know that's not possible. We know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Christians are not sinless, but we do sin less than we did before. Amen. First John 1, 8 and 10 says this says, if we say that we have no sin, talking to Christians, he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Then it goes on to say this, if we say that we have not sin, we make him, make God a liar and his truth is not in us. Listen, it is impossible for somebody, any one of us, to live a perfectly sinless life from the moment you get saved to the moment you go to heaven. It's an impossibility. That's the first, that's the first thing about it. Second thing that we want to consider. How does a person get saved and stay saved all the way to the end of their life and them going to heaven? The only other possibility, the next possibility would all believers must constantly confess their sins without leaving one of them out. That means we'd have to stay on our knees. We'd just have to live a life on our knees. Be honest about yourself tonight. Be honest. That means if we would have to constantly be asking for forgiveness... And not leave one, not one sin out. That's not going to happen. You know, we just don't have the right attitude about sin sometimes. <laughs> we, do, we do sins and we don't even consider them sins. But a righteous, holy God does. There's some of those things in that Old Testament that He put out there concerning His law. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even understand why he put some of them in there. I mean, if you see a, a dam and this chick laying on the, on the ground, and you, you take that dam and kill it and eat it, you've sinned against that little old chick. I mean, God's got some laws that we don't even consider laws. He's got some, he's so holy, we can't even consider how holy he is. And if, if a person's going to get saved and stay saved all the way to the end of their life, well, that must mean that he must constantly be confessing his sin and not leave one, not one of them out. That's an impossibility in all of our lives right there. Another, another scenario. <laughs> no one can be saved. It's impossible for anybody to be saved. Think about that. Now we're just considering eternal life tonight and the four different scenarios concerning this issue. How does a person get saved and stay saved all through their life till Jesus calls them out of this world? Well, if they've got to be sinlessly perfect, 
if they got to be continually confessing their sins and never leave one of them out, we're, we're shot. <laughs> Nobody can get saved. You know, the disciples one time, the Lord made some comments to them, and they said this, well, who then can be saved? He made those comments to them, and they said, my lands, who can be saved? He said, with men, this is impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Think about this. If no one can be saved, Jesus said in John 14, looked at his disciples and said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And when I come again, I'm going to receive you unto myself that where you are, you may be also. Well, if nobody can be saved, what about when Jesus comes at the rapture with a shout and voice of the archangel and calls to save people to come up here and nobody right? Why? Because nobody can be saved according to some. I mean, the standards that they set about this thing called eternal life, like that man told me, I will agree with eternal life up to a point. But if you go too far, God will spew you out of His mouth. Well, that means nobody's going to be saved. Nobody's going to be able to hold out to the end. I can see Jesus descend from heaven with a shout and a voice of archangel. Come up hither! And nobody comes. He said, oh my land, you mean nobody's saved? See, that's just not going to happen. We're, think, we're using common sense thinking about this matter of eternal life. And the other possibility, the fourth and last possibility is this. That eternal life is a gift. That God gives us when we get saved. <laughs> Say, do we deserve that? No, 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 no. We don't deserve eternal life. But it's something that He freely gives every one of us. And it's not selective. It's not if you do. It doesn't have any qualifications on it. It's a gift. That He freely gives every person that calls upon the name of the Lord. And I know what goes through our minds, and we, we all battle these kind of things. Well, but, what about, but what about, I agree with eternal life up to a point? No, it's called eternal life that Jesus Christ died to secure for us. Why? Because he knows that none of us will be able to keep ourselves safe. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> Thank God for eternal life. Lay hold on it. Think about it. Reason it. Think, think it through. And lay hold of it in your life. Let's all stand tonight. If I were to teach, if I were to begin teaching tonight that you could lose your salvation what is that going to do? That's going to build doubt in somebody's life. You're always going to be wondering, well, have I done something to cause God to be angry at me? The Bible says nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I were to start teaching that you can lose your salvation, I'm going to create doubt in the body of Christ. I'm going to, I'm also going to, I'm going to, 
possibly build deceptive pride in you because you'll then think, well, I didn't sin. I, I, no, I didn't sin. And build that deceptive pride in you. But the one thing I believe will, that teaching somebody can lose their salvation will do in their lives is that it builds a defeated witness. I go up to somebody. Let's say tonight, Brother Warren, I'm going to keep using you, Brother Warren. Brother Warren's lost tonight. And I go up to Brother Warren and I say, Brother Warren, I'm going to tell you about Jesus Christ. And that he died for you on Calvary and they buried him and rose again the third day. And if you believe in him, you can get saved, but then you got to live a sinless life after that. <laughs> you, can, you can get saved and you might make it to heaven. You Ain't no assurance, but believe in Jesus. See, when we start teaching that a person can lose their salvation, it's just don't, it don't hold up with this of what God has promised us. And thank God that that book settles it. For all children of God, it is eternal life. Amen. You turn around and tell 15 people that you love them tonight. God bless you. That'll take you a while. <laughs>